Hello again and welcome in to another episode of The Lion's Edge. I am your host, Chase Kitty. On behalf of the BetMGM content team, very happy to be with you here today uh, on a early Thursday morning. Usually record this Wednesday, but had a really, really crazy Wednesday. Uh, lots of stuff going on at BetMGM this week. Of course, as always, even more than usual. So sitting down here on a Thursday to get this out to you guys. I know we have a lot of listeners that come here for Day of Handicaps, which is where I always try to start the show to give you guys actionable insights into how to bet games that are right around the corner. And today, November 3rd, is obviously a big one. So I've got three key handicaps for you here at the start of today's episode. Number one, Thursday night football in the NFL. We've got another spectacularly shitty game on tap for tonight. The Eagles are massive 13.5 point favorites traveling to Houston. The total there is 45.5. Got some insight for you from inside the BetMGM shop, which is of course... Uh, One of the many reasons why this podcast, I think, is so effective. Uh, It it gives you guys insights from inside the house about what's going on. So uh, a couple of notes here uh, from our our PR and internal team uh, that that I got sent this morning. Number one, there's a massive bet on the Eagles just to win money line. Uh, Better from almost heaven here, West Virginia. Hitting the Eagles money line at minus 750 for a $185,000 bet. And then the props. We've got Miles Sanders to score the first touchdown at plus 650. Miles Sanders anytime touchdown at plus 105. And then Davis Mills under 217.5 passing yards. Those are your most common props at BetMGM for this game. And I got to say, I think the Miles Sanders one, uh, pretty sharp. Wisdom of the crowd maybe in effect there. The, the Miles Sanders to score the first touchdown, I really like that. Uh, I, I would do that and uh, maybe a little Jalen Hurts. I don't talk a lot about props on this podcast, but if you're looking for a little insight into, into the prop math and how to accurately bet props or correctly bet props, basically anytime you do an anytime touchdown bet, you should also be sprinkling like another 10 to 15% on the first touchdown bet. Because if you think they're going to score a touchdown, just go ahead and add maybe 10% more of your initial prop principle on the idea that the touchdown they score will be the first touchdown. If you're betting like whole units or even like whole half units on first touchdown, that's you're you're throwing your money away. That's that's not a good use of your bankroll. You want to that's that should be a supplement. Uh, so if you are on maybe like a half unit Miles Sanders to score anytime touchdown, then maybe add like another five to ten percent of one unit on the first touchdown prop, and and that's a good way to attack that. I gotta say, getting back to the sides here, which is usually you know more more so my game. I like I like a side and a total here. Uh, I, I would lean under. I think the Philadelphia defense can uh, can control what Houston's going to do. I, I'm not super concerned about like an offensive nuclear explosion from Philadelphia because when you watch their games, that's really not what they do. They don't play a lot of games where they consistently continue to score touchdowns for 60 minutes. They score in bunches and then they go dry for long periods of time. So I am expecting here. Maybe a Philadelphia first half cover. But ultimately, I would be on the Texans here to cover a huge number. 
They have pretty good ATS numbers this year as a dog. Uh, they are generally undervalued by the market, and you're getting extra value here. This the the Virgin opener for this was something like nine and a half or ten, gets bet up to thirteen and a half, which is the official opening number at BetMGM. That was bet up to fourteen midweek, and has just recently come back down to thirteen and a half because of professional buyback on the Texans at plus fourteen. So that's what I'd be looking to as well. I would want. Texans plus the points. If you can find the 14, if you buy the 14, if you wait it out and maybe it gets back to 14 closer to game time tonight, I think all of those are great scenarios. I think when you're backing a team that is as meh as the Texans, you do want the best numbers. So there's a big difference between 13 and a half and 14. We want that difference. But I, I lean Texans here and I lean under here. I would not be jumping uh, on the bandwagon and be happy to lay a massive number with the Eagles like this. I I just don't think that's a good spot. Of course, any number and any side can cover it any time. But as a general rule, like this is Texans or pass for me. This is an under spot for me. Uh, that is how I would approach Thursday Night Football. We also have World Series Game 5 tonight. So there's another Houston-Philadelphia matchup. A lot of fun here. As the sports world focuses in on Houston and Philadelphia... I would take a shot with the Phillies if you want to get money down on this game. Uh, this would be Phillies or pass for me. Justin Verlander's been awesome. You know, Goochland, Virginia, shout out. But he did get tagged for five runs in game one against a, a Philly lineup that we know has a lot of big bats and a lot of power. And going back to the well with him, I would say give me the value with Phillies plus 135. Wouldn't be surprised if Houston gets a first five victory. But, I don't know, I'm not willing to lay the 160 to bet the Astros. So, I don't love Syndergaard, but I I would take the Phillies here or nothing. And then, of course, college football, where I've just been cleaning up these these weeknight college football spots. Very interesting game in the Sun Belt tonight. I am, of course, Sun Belt Chase, and this is a big one. This is... You know, if you go back to the preseason, this was the game of the year, could decide the East, could decide the Sun Belt. App State at Coastal Carolina, your two favorites in the East going at it. After a opening two months of the season that maybe haven't gone the way many of us expected, App State, surprisingly, is a three-point road favorite in Conway. About 60% of the tickets here are on App State. I have been critical of Coastal Carolina for much of the year. They just don't win in sustainable ways, and that finally caught up with them uh, when they suffered that pretty bad home loss to Old Dominion, who's not even a very good team, uh, a few weeks back. But they've had a bye. You know, they, they've gone on the road since then. They went to, to Huntington last week, and they beat Marshall up pretty good. So I am a little surprised to see them as a home dog. I guess I'm equally surprised to see the public jumping all over App State as a road favorite in this spot, laying the full three on the road with a team that has been about as emotionally all over the place in every possible spot as you can be. I mean, there was a viral tweet a few weeks back. App State has played every kind of football game there is to play this year, which was kind of true. I think one interesting note that I picked up on when I was researching this game for tonight and for the this episode's handicap, App State has only played two road games this year. Very weird little factoid there. 
uh, at Texas A&M and at Texas State. So it's now November. We've got a team that's only played two road games, and both of them were in the state of Texas. Kind of weird for a team in northern North Carolina. Uh, I, I think ultimately this is a Coastal Carolina spot for me. It may be an over spot as well, but look, I, I don't trust App State's defense. I don't. I haven't forgotten who App State has been for most of this year. It's nice that they, you know, got to regroup after the Texas State game and, and they beat the crap out of an FCS squad and they beat the crap out of a, an up and down Georgia State team. I think at Coastal Carolina is a whole different type of challenge, uh, and and I think Coastal Carolina for their problems. Grayson McCall has lived up to the hype as preseason Offensive Conference Player of the Year. I think in a close game late with the ball in his hands, I trust him to get the job done. That's kind of a football gutty, football guy kind of way to handicap this game. But that's honestly who Coastal Carolina's been this year. Like, not a perfect team, certainly not on paper. They have their flaws, but they've got the best player on both either team most of the time when they line up and they get the ball in his hands late and he figures out a way to make the the game go in the Shannon Clear's direction. So I like Coastal Carolina plus the three. I would take a shot with the Coastal Carolina money line. Those are the directions I would go with tonight's high-profile games. Texans plus 13.5, under 45.5, Phillies plus 135, Coastal Carolina plus three. Now, what I wanted to do in this spot before we move into the NFL Week 10 handicapping is I wanted to go over a little little bit of like the odds changes after the massive crazy trade deadline that we had on Tuesday. Uh, but but I went to do research on all that and, you know, I talked to our trading team and really none of the numbers moved. I mean, there, there's no real statistical differences in any of the ways that the teams in the NFL are priced. Like the Dolphins haven't moved off of acquiring Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson. Uh, the Minnesota hasn't moved because they acquired TJ Hawkinson. Like all, all of these all of these trades and all the craziness that we saw and that I wrote up for, for the BetMGM blog, The Roar, no real price changes in the market. So uh, play on is what the bookmakers are telling us. Uh, we've got lots of futures at this point if you've been listening to the podcast. So lots of uh, really strong playoff positions like t- X team to make the playoff. We've got Seattle. We've got Atlanta. We've got the Cowboys. Uh, a couple others like all really, really in great position uh, in the NFC sprinkled around with with teams that were unfairly marginalized at the beginning of the season. So looking good for all that. Uh, we'll stay away from any new divisional position since the market hasn't really shifted. And uh, let's get into those NFL Week 9 handicaps. Game number one, Seattle at Arizona this weekend in one of the late afternoon games. Only two afternoon games this week for some reason. Arizona's 1-3 straight up at home this season and 8-12 straight up at home since the start of the 2020 season. I talk almost every week about how bad the Cardinals have been in the first half. I'm going to continue to run that trend into the ground until I stop making money off of it. The only thing that gives me pause in this spot in betting on the Seahawks is that they are such a beloved dog right now. About 80% of the market-wide tickets are on the Seahawks in this spot, plus the points. That's a huge yikes for me. But 
I think maybe a little bit like Carolina earlier this season, the bookmakers haven't caught up with how bad Arizona actually is, and they're giving them too much respect. Or maybe we, the betting market, aren't giving enough credit to DeAndre Hopkins coming back and the effect that he's had on the Arizona offense. I'm not sure, but I'm going to go ahead and bet on my guy Geno once again, just because it feels like Seattle continues to be an undervalued commodity. I don't love public dogs, but I am going to go with one in this particular spot because I feel like laying points with Arizona with the trends that go against them is actually the greater evil. So give me Seattle on the first half line, plus one or plus half a point. Uh, It kind of depends. It's been swinging back and forth. But basically the idea is if the Seahawks are tied or leading in halftime, we will cover the first half line. And then Seattle... I'm not interested in the the two points. Seattle money line outright plus 110. Thank you very much. Speaking of Carolina, how about Carolina plus 7.5 right now at BetMGM going to Cincinnati this week to play the Bengals? Carolina was a lousy team under Matt Rule and with Christian McCaffrey uh, on board because they were still seen and perceived as kind of good. But now that both of those guys are gone, uh, Carolina's finally seen as, as sort of the bad and hopeless team that they've been all along, and they're being handicapped as such. They were a double-digit dog against Tampa two weeks ago, four-point underdog in Atlanta last weekend. The irony here is that now, under Steve Wilkes, Carolina has a much more visible and effective offensive identity than it ever did under Matt Rule. They run the ball. They run it well. Dante Foreman, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, I talked about how it's you know Carolina's offense has become the Big 12 all uh, all conference team of a couple years ago. And by the way, those those games that I just mentioned, uh, the plus 13 against Tampa, I, I think it was plus 13, the plus four against Atlanta, those were both covers for Carolina. They're two and zero since those guys are have both gone uh, since McCaffrey was traded. Two and zero against the spread. One of them, Tampa, was an outright win. I'm not going to say the other one should have been because that Atlanta game was insane. Uh, and I think it's it's hard to say anything should have happened in a game that was that wild. But Tampa, at least for sure, was a convincing outright win. 2-0 against the spread since McCaffrey was traded. Now Carolina goes to Cincinnati. The Bengals are on a short week because they played on Monday Night Football. Uh, no Jamar Chase. They have, per PFF, the 25th ranked rush defense. We just saw Cleveland dominate them by running the ball all over them and hitting play action. You know that's exactly what Carolina's going to do with P.J. Walker in this reconstructed offense. And all that to say that Carolina's plus seven and the hook? Yeah, give me the Panthers plus the points in that spot. And, and maybe even with a money line sprinkle at plus 260, I think. Because this might be a when it rains, it pours spot right now for Cincinnati. I think they, they might have one of those little quarter season dips right now. No Jamar Chase. The offense kind of shrinks up and other teams take advantage. Another side that I like this week is the Colts at plus five and a half in New England. This is a lot like what I said two weeks ago when Chicago was getting a bunch of points in New England. I just don't see the Patriots as a team that should have to cover these kinds of margins. This is a team without a lot of offensive talent and with a legitimate quarterback controversy. Mac Jones looks kind of off after coming back from some time away uh, dealing with an injury. 
The Colts, for all their problems, do, I think, have a more clear vision for what their team identity is. I talked last week ahead of the Washington game about how Ellinger is not necessarily a downgrade from Matt Ryan, even though he's perceived as such in the market. The Colts outplayed Washington last week and probably deserved to win and cover that game, if not for a ridiculous last-minute ending. So buy low, sell high, yada, yada here, you know, all the stuff I normally talk about. But the real principle here is just that I don't think New England should be the sort of team that lays five and a half. I think they're overvalued as a favorite, particularly as a home favorite. One total I love this week, Jets bills under 47 and a half. The tickets are split 50-50, but more than 90% of the market-wide handle is on the under. This is one of the sharpest spots of the week. The Jets' offense has some real problems right now in terms of scoring points. They've got some offensive line injury issues. Zach Wilson has had a few games now where he's kind of eh. But the real thing to consider here is that Buffalo has been a sneaky great under team this year. You think of the offense when you think of Buffalo. You think of Josh Allen and and all the bomb chucking and all that. Uh, But Buffalo is actually 6-1 to the under this year. Because everybody bets the over, and so those numbers are artificially inflated by the book in order to protect themselves. That, and Buffalo's scoring defense is perhaps a little bit underrated. I I think people see this spot, and they think this game could look like the first game these two teams played last year uh, between the Jets and the Bills, which was 45-17 Bills. That kind of feels right to people, like, oh, Bills win running away, and the Jets score a couple of touchdowns big win for the Bills. But that's actually the outlier in this series. Uh, It's more likely to look like the other four games recently played by these two. 27-10 Bills, 18-10 Bills, 27-17 Bills, 13-6 Jets. These are ugly, low-scoring divisional games dominated by trench play. And four of the last five in the series have gone under this number of 47.5. I love this under. It is maybe my favorite NFL bet of the week. A couple more leans here before we get out of here. Uh, Not official plays, but games that I would consider. Maybe if you already liked this side too, then go ahead and uh, and bet it confidently because I kind of lean that way as well. I like the over in the Ravens-Saints game. I think with Andy Dalton... Uh, the last couple of weeks, this Saints offense has really started to figure out what they're good at, how to run effectively, how to score effectively. I don't think New Orleans defense is going to stop Baltimore necessarily. So this looks at a glance like an over spot for me. A couple of couple of sides that I favor here. Detroit plus three and a half. The Lions have been so public as a dog all year so far because of hard knocks and Dan Campbell, and they're just so earnest and easy to like. Uh, that's translated into betters betting them as massive public dogs almost every week. So I have avoided them for the most part. Uh, but I have to favor Detroit here in this particular spot. It's really not about anything going on in Dan Campbell's shop. It's all about my refusal to lay points with Green Bay, which I have said pretty consistently on this show for a few weeks now. Uh, they go to Washington. They go to other spots. And I say, I, I get that this is a bad team. But why am I laying points with Green Bay? On reflex, I want to bet against Green Bay any time they have to lay points. It's not a good team. They shouldn't be a road favorite against anyone, especially in division. 
Give me the points with a Detroit team that must feel desperate at this point. They must feel like, boy, we'd like to get a win, and I think maybe they're, they're overdue for a positive regression performance. My other lean is with the Raiders as a short favorite in Jacksonville. We need to do an autopsy on Jacksonville at this point because the Jags won that weird week three game against the Chargers right after we found out Justin Herbert had a rib injury and they blew them out. The Jags killed them. It was like 38 to 10 and everyone looked around and went, wow, the Jaguars must be really good and immediately started handicapping the Jags like they were a good team. Everybody loved the Jags, okay? Since then, 0-5 straight up, 0-5 against the spread in October. Haven't covered a game or won a game since that Chargers game in September. And you are basically asking them to win with this Raiders number. It's one and a half. Now, maybe you think the Raiders are in free fall. Josh McDaniels is overrated. They got shut out last week in New Orleans. And you think the Jags are a good play here because of that. You're not betting on the Jags. You're betting against the Raiders. And I could understand that. But my understanding is that the Raiders locker room had a bit of a flu problem last week going around. And so I would say just throw that result away. You know, the Raiders might not be any good. Josh McDaniels might be a lousy head coach. But I don't think we can say definitively that he's so bad and that offense is so bad that they're a zero-point kind of team. Like, that, that was clearly a bit of an aberration. I'm saying we just throw that result away. ATS records for teams a week after they got shut out are actually pretty good because it's such an effective buy low spot. So I lean Raiders here, and I actually think there's a chance this one gets upgraded to a full play for me uh, before we get to Sunday because I do I do think I, I ultimately really like this spot for the Raiders. And that's it. That's, uh, that's your Week 9 NFL Handicapping Podcast. So a few picks for you there. Obviously a lot more in the college episode this week where I had five picks, five totals, and then five more leans on top of that. So if you're looking for some Saturday plays, uh, head over to the Wednesday episode of the Lions Edge if you missed it, and uh, you can catch it there. Otherwise, good luck with all your bets this week. Uh, Happy surviving the weekend. If you've got a couple minutes, I'd appreciate you uh, leaving us a rating or review, especially if you're new here. Look, we're pretty good at making money on this podcast uh, with inside information from the sports book here at BetMGM. A uh, long time of handicapping games and using economic strategies, betting the number, not the team. Uh, these sorts of long-term successful strategies that I've learned over my career as an advantage better. I give them to you. I read the numbers for you, give you a little inside info. Uh, whatever I have, I, I tell to you guys. And uh, it all works out. So if you like that formula and it's made you a little bit of money or you think uh, maybe in the future it might make you a little bit of money, I'd appreciate it if you take two minutes out of your time, uh, head over to your podcast store of your choosing, leave us a quick rating and review, help us grow the show, get the show in front of other people. I would really appreciate that. We'll be back next week, of course, with more content from the BetMGM editorial and content shop. Uh, Until then, good luck with your bets and take it easy.